Welcome to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine health research digested for you. Swine Health Black Belt Podcast is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like Beringer Ingelheim through innovative solutions, cutting edge research, and world class experts. Beringer Ingelheim helps producers operate with complete confidence. Learn more at swineresource.com. SCA Ventilation and Management Solutions. Made for farmers by farmers since 1966. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson, your host for today's episode, and I am joined by some wonderful colleagues at Iowa State University. Dr. Giovanni Trevisan and Dr. Daniel Linares are with us for this episode. We're very happy to have you guys. We're going to talk about uh, PERS and specifically a project that uh, you guys have overseen, the PERS Outbreak Management Project. Um, Giovanni, would you like to give our audience a brief introduction and overview about this project? What are you looking at? What questions are you trying to answer? And what metrics are you using to answer those questions? On this project, we collaborated with the swine industry and there was a lot of different production systems. And they enrolled basically 48 farms in this project where we capture information about the person uh, outbreak in a survey and keep looking for tracking diagnostic results over time to see what are the practices and the outcomes from a purse outbreaking herds that are either looking for control or eliminate purse virus. And the, 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 the metrics that we're looking for was time to low prevalence, and that was having at least eight consecutive weeks of negative results for purse virus, either testing processing fluid results or testing shield samples on a 30 days interval. The another thing, and that was measures in weeks after the outbreak when they heard a chip th that time. The other one was time to baseline productivity, and that means time in weeks to take the, the herd to return the baseline levels of production that had before the outbreak, after the outbreak, in, and we measure that in number of weeks. And the other one was, well, how many piglets did we lose in this outbreak per thousand sows that you had in the farm? So those were the metrics that we looked for. And for that, I turn back to Daniel to do this benchmarking comparison of what we found here in 2020 back with the past and how do you compare those first activity? Yeah, so 10 years ago, I had the opportunity when I was in my on PhD program with uh, Dr. Bob Morrison, Monty, it's a great, great team up there in, in Minnesota, and Clayton, you were part of this study, is uh, comparing the, those metrics that Giovanni described today to back then, 10 years ago, what we see today is not, not good news, is that time to low prevalence has increased nine weeks in average, the whole distribution shifted, uh, today, the median time to achieve that low prevalence is about 36 weeks. And again, the whole distribution change, right? If you look at the early herds and the late herds, we have herds that don't achieve stability for uh, uh, even test a, a whole year. And then somebody could argue, is that because we have now processing fluids, more, uh, more sensitive methods? Well, that could be one reason, but the other one is too. Based on other studies here uh, done by Giovanni, some others too, a lot of evidence that the virus changed a lot between then and now. That's correct. Right? It, it's just not the same virus. But then moving to the other metrics, the impacting productivity, it's also worse than we observed before. And those metrics are 
following the same codes, exactly the same methodology, statistical process control based. So with the same methods, same metrics, it's re it's taking uh, in average six weeks longer to recover productivity. And if you look at the impact, back then it was about 2,700 per thousand cells that were lost. And today it's uh, 4,100, so uh, 1,300 more. Uh, losses per thousand thousand we do, than we saw in the cohort ten ten years ago. The viruses certainly are not getting any easier to deal with, unfortunately. Um, and I appreciate all your your effort um, looking into this over time, Daniel. Um, as you look at at the information that comes out of the PERS management um, PERS outbreak management program. Are there any individual factors, uh, in any individual um, control points or decisions that you see as having a, a positive impact on either the, the time to return to normal production or that time to low prevalence? Can you pull any information out of there to say, here's something you should think about doing if you're not doing it today because other producers are seeing better results when they apply that management step or strategy? Yeah, good question. We did see some key points here associated with those outcomes, and I'll, I'll talk about those, and I'm going to turn it back to you because you are one of our key guys that we go in, key minds that we like to pick on, hey, Clayton, how, how should how should we uh, handle PERS outbreaks going forward? So based, from, based on this study, things that we saw that were associated with uh, a shorter time to low prevalence and less severe production impact were prior immunity, Right, so your herds that were naive, they had a much more severe break than the, those herds that had some immunity, either derived from a previous infection or from vaccine-derived immunity. Herd closure is a big; it was a big, big, big factor. Right, so her, herds that closed the, the implement herd closure, interrupting yield introduction for a while, they have a much higher success rate to achieve stability within the year. Uh, deliberate whole herd exposure towards another thing. Uh, more recently here, there were a number of herds relying on natural exposure, right? Not that, they, they, that there wasn't any whole herd exposure, but if they had deliberate either live virus inoculation or vaccine, they achieved stability sooner. They had a less severe impact than those that just relied on natural uh, transmission of the virus. And similar to what we saw before, uh, herds that use modified live virus vaccine, right, any MLV, they had short, less severe production impact, but they took longer to achieve stability, right, or low prevalence compared to herds that use LVI, live virus inoculation, had more severe production impact. That makes sense. It's a wild type virus, but it was associated with a quicker uh, time to low prevalence. One thing that we observed in this study was batch farrowing. Oh, yeah. Right, batch farrowing was associated. The herds implementing batch farrowing, they they had better numbers, better, quicker stability, less severe impact, and uh, time to implement those biomanagement practices was a big thing. Right, you think about your biocontainment. The sooner you establish, you start doing that, those biocontainment practices to make it hard for viruses to jump from one room to the next. In other words, from one week to the next, the better was the outcome. And the virus, the, the genotype, the, the first virus, the final thing that we saw, and we talked about that in the previous podcast, is the more variants of virus present in the herd, the worse the, 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 out, the, the outcomes. 
and the recombinations too, right, Giovanni? Yeah, when you have multiple strains circulating in the herd and new recombinant strains, those are smoking guns that you are going to have more production loss than if you have less or non-parasites there circulating. So turning back to you, Clayton, what, what, how do you take that information and where should we go from here when we think about uh, this breeding herd broke with Paris virus, what should we do? Well, I think um, certainly we, we have to start by just recognizing the frustration that comes with managing Paris virus anywhere in the world in any farm. The results are, are typically not what we want them to see, and, and we just have to own that as veterinarians and continue to try and evolve our practices to improve the outcomes. Because one thing we do know, Daniel, is that if we do the same things, we should expect similar results. And, and I don't think anybody's happy with where we're at today. Anything you're hearing from the field on novel strategies, you know, as we review the 2022 and 2023 PERS season, what are going to be the new tricks that producers are trying to put into place? Do you hear anything from the field, Daniel or Giovanni? One thing that's not necessarily new, but with those more sensitive methods, we were able to better characterize was, again, going back to the importance of biocontainment, right? So whatever you can do to make sure, one thing is a given, you may have in the same room, same, uh, same farm, one room with high prevalence, the other room, room with close to zero prevalence, right? So whatever you can do to, to avoid that transmission between rooms and over over time, uh, the quicker I think uh, you are to bring that prevalence to, 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 to very, very, very low and eventually to eliminate transmission, right? So implementing, uh, re relying on immunity, that's, that's one big thing, but in, in parallel to that, uh, work with, with your peak flow, and uh, think about biocontainment, bioexclusion, bio, exclusion, bio uh, uh, management. Uh, those, those things go hand hand with hand. Yeah, and and if you look for the results that we have, all of this diversity in the approach that we take to control and deal with pers virus, they per se, all of this diverse presents that the industry is not there yet on a consensus on how to deal with pers virus. First, it is striking us, and we are trying to find the better solutions but there is no a magic pill that can be used across many farms to control the, the agents so far. So what Daniel say is really important things to, to keep in mind. Complete ventilation and farm management solutions from SCOV optimize your pig production. Having SCOV as a partner provides you with reliable, high quality solutions. Visit scov.com for more information. Well, thank you, Giovanni. Thank you, Daniel. I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing your perspective on this challenging yet extremely important topic. Um, Daniel, you know, we've we've partnered together for over a decade now on this. And I think if we have another podcast in uh, 2032 and we just report out to the industry that it's gotten even worse in the last 10 years, that we we may get uh, we may get volunteered to do work on some other projects to let some of the younger vets and researchers tackle purse for a little while. But Let's I really appreciate odds. it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll do what we can to try and not let that happen. We may be with white hair at that time, but... Yeah, purse per, is guaranteed. I'll be happy if I still have hair if purse is this bad at that point. All right, in all seriousness, thank you very much to our audience. Um, thanks for listening to the Swine Health Black Belt podcast. Please visit us at swinehealthblackbelt.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss out on the next episode. Thanks very much and see you next week. Hey, everyone. 
We're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine health-related research trial and would like to come on the show to talk about it with me and share it with our audience, feel free to send an email to healthblackbelt@swineit.com, and we would love to take a look at your research. Thank you.